Well, welcome to episode 27 of Wait What? It's the morning after. Is there a morning after pill for elections? Man, I wish there was. Whatever happens, whatever the results, I have a personal problem that I think many people suffer with. What do I do and how do I think about the people who think differently than I do? The people who admired and voted for Donald Trump. Or the people who thought he was an ass, but shrugged their shoulders and voted for him anyway. Because no matter how you do the math, there are a disturbingly large number of those people. A frighteningly large number. How should I think of them for this point on? Should I have a personal and private reconciliation moment? Should I try harder to understand them? Or should I hold it against them? The real question is, do I forgive them? Not that they're looking for me to forgive them, but can I find it within myself to forgive support for this man? Because here's the thing. You see, this is the same Donald Trump that called for a Second Amendment solution for his opponent four years ago. That's a plea to assassinate her. That isn't funny. And if you dismissed it as just Trump being Trump, then fuck you and everybody who thinks like you. If you're okay with stoking the fires beneath bloodthirsty crowds with thinly veiled references to assassination as a political tool, then fuck you again. As Donald Trump continued to flail away and make outrageous and obscene lies, the new American normal, he managed to cross a line that even for him was shocking. He took the idea of appalling and stretched its boundaries to the breaking point. But I guess when it comes to the idea of the grotesque, there is no breaking point. I always thought it was like the speed of light. There have to be limits for everything in the universe, but I was wrong. A man who once told what he thought was a hilarious story about his own cowardice to Howard Stern, a story about running away from an old man who had fallen and hit his head and lay bleeding on his precious marble floor at Mar-a-Lago, running away from a man who needed immediate help because he didn't like the sight of blood on his expensive floor, that same man accused the men and women of the medical profession who risked their lives every day to care for sick and dying COVID-19 victims that shameless coward who thought it was a funny story to regale the audience with his cowardly cruelty accused hospital doctors of inflating COVID-19 statistics so they could make more money. And it was all, of course, part of a conspiracy to get him, to get Donald Trump. 
He, of course, made this bullshit up out of thin air. He thought it would get him some more votes or some more applause. He thought his people were so stupid they would nod in agreement. I suppose I shouldn't have been shocked. After all, this is the same man who made fun of a disabled reporter and mimicked his neurological disability in front of a crowd of bloodthirsty, ignorant supporters because he thought it would get him a few laughs. I thought I'd be immune by now, but I'm not. That's a herd immunity I want nothing to do with. You know, when he confused the phrase herd mentality with herd immunity when he was talking about COVID-19, it was the one time in his worthless life that he actually nailed it. I think when we lose our anger at unrepentant cruelty, we are finished as a decent people. So I'm angry and I intend to stay angry because they are unrepentant and they intend to stay that way. So the question many of us are facing today is, what do we do with you? What do we do with our decent friends who shrugged their shoulders and dismissed his almost limitless brazen acts of dishonesty, cruelty, and yes, depravity? What would you have done with Walter White? Walter White was the high school chemistry teacher in the show Breaking Bad who became a manufacturer of crystal meth. He was a kind of opportunistic libertarian who needed money to deal with medical bills and family debt. A good man who became heavily involved with some of the worst people on the planet. With monsters. He shrugged his shoulder, put his head down, and did what he had to do because of what he saw as the greater good of taking care of his family. Along the way, he got in bed with monsters with the cruelest people on the planet. He jumped on the slippery slope of, I'm just supplying what people want and would get somewhere else. And he quickly plumbed the depths of evil. Well, it turns out that half of my fellow Americans are fully capable of dealing with Walter White. I'm not one of them. And I'm not one who will forgive them. I don't even know what that would entail. Do I invite them for dinner? Do I set up a golf match? What am I supposed to do with them? In the kitschy 1988 John Carpenter horror science fiction film titled They Live, the hero of the story is John Nada who was played by a professional wrestler named Rowdy Roddy Piper. Nada is a drifter construction worker who comes to L.A. looking for work and finds a box of sunglasses in the wall of a church where a blind, seemingly deranged minister has been delivering ranting sermons, warning of a diabolical conspiracy and a ruthless ruling class 
that exercises mind control over the human race through subliminal messages designed to get humans to obey, consume, reproduce, and conform. The creatures behind this conspiracy are actually aliens. The aliens look and act exactly like ordinary humans until Nana sees them through the lens of the special sunglasses that he's discovered in the church wall. The glasses show the world he lives in in the way it really is beneath the surface, and it reveals grotesque humanoids wearing business suits and dresses. The monsters aren't hiding in dark corners, dank basements, haunted houses, under the beds, or in graveyards. They're right here among us. They are our neighbors. And that's really my problem. You see, I knew all about the theory of the thin veneer of civilization. It made perfect sense. But I always thought it took something really horrible to pierce through it. Something like a war, a natural disaster of epic proportions with food shortages, something real and immediate that threatened masses of people with something serious or life-threatening. I never imagined that one ignorant demagogue could shred the notions of civility and decency so effortlessly, or that it would turn out that those qualities that I took for granted as part of our national character were nothing more than facades. Decency as a disguise? There are so many Americans for whom the idea of decency is nothing more than a disguise, something they will readily toss aside at the behest of a cheap charlatan. I think that the line from the song by the group America that says, Oz never did give nothing to the tin man that he didn't didn't already have is a profound idea. But maybe it turns out that the idea applies not only to the notions of a heart, courage, and a good mind. It also may apply to the dark side. Donald Trump tapped into that. What I didn't know was that it was there all along, just waiting for somebody to tell them that the dark side was a fine place to hang out. Welcome to the dark side, but I won't be joining you there.